How many fish in our stringer? How many points on our buck? How many feathers in our bag? That's how we keep score around here. Sportsmen and women of all skill levels. Let's disconnect from the day-to-day grind and stay connected to the outdoor activities that you and your family love. This is the Doug Pike Show, brought to you by American Shooting Centers. Guns, shooting, and instruction since 1989. And by TakingVegas.com. Over 20 years helping sports investors make better, more informed decisions. Now, here's Doug Pike. All right, here we go. Woo, let me turn this down. It's on Ross Villarreal volume. And I've got to bring it down about two notches. I don't know how these guys can listen to this stuff so loudly. My ears aren't that great. And the volume that some of them listen to these things in is, was anybody in here after Ross? Maybe I'm. Maybe that's the wrong guy. Then it was Ross. Yeah, it must have been Ross. He uh, he tends to turn the thermostat up one or two degrees, too. So the first thing I do when I come in here is chill it down just a little bit. Hey, I Okay, I have so many things on my list today. So many things. We talked, by the way, at length yesterday, and I was glad to glad to hear from all of you who weighed in on the dreadful. Hold on, let me get this. Ah, I've got. Good golly, I carry a lot of stuff around here. I have to think because of the way this studio is configured. It's a long story. I'm not going to bore you with it. But I have to carry around about 100 things from just from one room to the other to be able to do all this. All right, now I can do it. So yesterday we talked for, gosh, the better part, I bet all total of 45 minutes, maybe an hour over the course of the three-hour show, about windmills and about why they're a bad idea and about why we're probably, because they're going to shove it down our throats unless things change in November, Probably going to get about a half million acre wind farm off Galveston and another couple of hundred thousand off Lake Charles, which is not the end of the road. If anybody who's ever driven south from Lake Charles toward the Gulf of Mexico, you know there's a lot of Louisiana between between there and the Gulf. But that's the closest place that the people who are talking about this idea could peg it. So that people would understand where it's going to go. And everybody who responded yesterday, everybody who called, everybody who emailed is on the same side I'm on. Windmills aren't going to do much of of anything to alleviate any sort of electricity problem we have here in this state. There is more and more anecdotal evidence that we're just not ready. How can we be ready for electric vehicles when the first thing that happens when the temperature goes up in the summer is people are is that the people who run the electricity grid are asking owners of electric cars not to charge their cars. It, it's just if it weren't so pathetic, it would be humorous. But they they're just telling us we have to do this and we have to do that. Oh, it just goes on and on. I don't want to get deep into the weeds on this this morning. I really don't. Uh, the, the best way, I'll tell you what, I'll just totally train wreck myself and go get go get Ryan money on the, 
on the microphone and play the Texas temperature game. Here we go. Yeah. Now, here's some entertainment. So, yesterday, Trey, once again, Trey just has a sixth sense for this. It wasn't, and don't think you've got to beat a zero, but he, he rolled up a 10 on you okay. between the two temperatures. So, your work is cut out for you. Let's get started, shall we? What do you think, Ryan Money, is the current low temperature in the state of Texas? Current low temperature has got to be 65. 65, you say. The actual is 63. There we go. You got a two on that. That's not bad. So you've got seven degrees to play with for the win. For that win, and what, six days of bragging rights? And the boat. And the camper. Yep. Don't forget that. What do you think is the current high temperature in the state of Texas? Uh, it's tough. We're going to go with 92. 92? Too hot? 92? Yeah. Is that a, no good? It's 78 degrees. Somewhere. 78? Yeah. Is that high? A, that is a 14. Yeah. It's, it, it says it's 84 right here, right now. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, but it did... It's not seventy-eight. It's not the high. Oh, 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 whoa, 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 whoa! Rewind that. Yeah, I was gonna say we live in a place that says it's eighty-five. Yeah, hold right on, now. hold on. Yes, this is on me. Don't panic. I'm panicking. <laughs> you I said I'm gonna lose the boat. You said ninety-two. The actual is eighty-four, which puts you at an eight, which puts you at a tie. Ah, holy cow! I was looking at the state average temperature. Oh my word! Good thing I didn't look at the state range. What's a what? Well, you obviously the difference between the two is twenty one degrees, and that's not that big a difference, really. Oftentimes there'll be if a cold front is headed here after a good warm spell, and there's warm air coming off the Gulf, and there's cold air tumbling down the continent. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Let's say in maybe November even early December, for it to be in the 80s down along the coast and maybe in the 30s up there in North Texas, a little bit, maybe a little colder, who knows. Um, we should do a long-term wager on closest to the date of the first freeze in Texas this winter. Yeah, we should. Uh, talk. We'll, we'll think about that. I think what I might do uh, moving forward, and if you'll remind me next week, because I'll probably forget, what I might do next week is involve the audience in the temperature game, too. Get some some honest, trustworthy person who's not sitting there looking at their computer to gather up and jump in. And I'll, I'll recruit amongst my sponsors of this program, try to find some sort of prize. Or we'll, we'll look around our closet, too, it could, like pencils and papers and whatnot. Let me go see what's going on with Rick by standby just a second. Oh, I gotta use this mouse to go over here and I'll click on that button. Hey Rick Bice, what's up, man? Well, I was just uh, I'm gonna give it give you the choice. Do you wanna talk a little bit about something windmill related or do you wanna talk dove hunting? Which one? Take your pick. Um let's go with A to begin and then we'll see if we have time for B. Okay. Hey. You know, in my business, and I'm no different than anybody else. You know, I, you know, the eyesore of an oil and gas drill site or one of these massive windmills. Uh, you know, the noise that they make, and they do. Um, you know, 
in reality, if you or I own the royalty on that wind or that oil and gas well, the noise it make would just sing us to sleep at night. Sure, it sounds like money. But that's, that's not my. That's not the point I want to make on it. You know, I deal with this constantly in, in what I do. Right. And you know, it's a, it's a big hump to climb. Uh, but I'll tell you what, you take those same people and you put a cell tire on that property or on, over there on that next hill, and that's don't, that's not an eyesore. That's eye candy. Mm-hmm. And they'll never say a word about that cell tire being over there because why? They Brings benefit their value. from it. Yeah, absolutely they benefit from it. They benefit. All right, go to B. Uh, B, dove hunting. All right, I've got this place. I, it's my secret place, my honey hole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have never said any, really anybody, so this is it. I've got this place. It's in the middle of a bigger track. It's dry as a bone, down to the dirt. Only thing growing is goat weed, which I love goat weed. Yeah, buddy. And I'm waiting for it to let, just get a little bit taller, and then I'll go in and shred it. So it's oh, below where I can find all my dust. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, but you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. Within, I'm going to say, 48 hours before opening day, it's going to start raining and run all my doves that I already have and been here all summer because I got everything that they want water, food, everything. And they're here. They're going to be too but flat, too, too fat gonna, to fly. We're going to get a three inch. We're going to be. We're gonna get a three-inch rain within forty-eight hours. Of well, yeah. Day. And I'm just—it's just—I hate to pro- procrastinate, but that just seems like the way it always works. That is—that's how it's worked for the past as long as I've been dove hunting. Somewhere in this state, it may not be your field specifically, but somewhere in a big chunk of this state, about two to three days before dove opener, before September first, it's gonna rain hard. It's going to rain hard, and you're going to have to get your mud boots out, and it's going to be nasty. Yep. Yep. And if you just, and I'm just, you know, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, but if I were going to bet, it's just, I'm just playing the the, the historic odds of that. Sure. Oh, the odds, odds are very great in favor of you being right about a big rain before dove season. And the good news, hey, I got a, go ahead. I've got a property for sale, by the way, that has no oil wells and no windows, but it does have cell tower. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> cell tower. Yeah, I got, it's got your name written all over I'm, Well, I'll tell you what, I, the, fir- the first thing I would do if I bought that place is start climbing <laughs> that tower and putting dove decoys all over it. That oh, would... I'd put me a bow stand up a little way. Oh, yeah. apple stand a little above that. I'd go to work on it. Well, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, ways you could make that you could spin it into your favor I, I didn't think about putting a bow stand up in there but that's perfect just hike a tree stand up there about halfway and ratchet it on in there and put a little fridge in there run some power yeah that'd be good man all right ricky just make a deal with i right, talk to you later yeah see, you later. see you, buddy adios okay let me see if i can make this work i go over here i push that i think i got it so one of the things that he talked about with the windmills being um, a potential money maker or revenue generator is this right to wind rights. I'd never heard of such a thing. And he equates them to mineral rights. And if that's the case, uh, maybe 
I'm still not going to want windmills anywhere because they really, when when all is said and done, it's kind of like lithium batteries for cars. The 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 juice doesn't justify the squeeze. There is so much that goes into these batteries, so much that goes into these windmills, and we just probably don't. I'm not sure how much net return we're getting out of either one. Nobody wants to tell you when, when they're trying to talk you into buying an electric car, which is going to cost you more. It was put very succinctly on, on Facebook on a little post I saw this morning. So I can't afford gas, but you want me to buy an electric car that I'm going to have to charge on a grid that isn't set up to handle a bunch of electric, of electric cars and, and won't be for a good 10, 15, 20 years. If we were just to go ahead and use the fuel we have, however, which could last us a few hundred years during that time, if history repeats itself, our technological knowledge, our expertise, our ingenuity, the brightest minds in this country will be able to come up with an alternative green fuel, if you will, some sort of renewable energy that's also reliable. How many times do we have to have a rolling blackout to realize that we're not there yet? We can't even keep the lights on, but they want us to drive electric cars. If you think that's a a genius idea of, of this bunch who want to do that, you're sadly mistaken. They're just trying to shovel a uh, an agenda down our throats. And I'm not particularly pleased with that. All right. I got to take this break. When we get back, we'll talk a little bit more maybe about windmills. I hope not. I got a bass uh, update. Uh, I have some coastal update. I'll, I'll get to all of that between here and 10 o'clock, I'm sure. And some golf news from the who is, I'll, yeah, I'll get that too. They're playing up north again where it's relatively cool and calm. Shooter's Corner, Palmer Highway 29th Street down in Texas City, owned and operated for 40 plus years by Jerry TK. He brought his son into the business as well. That would be Jay. The two of them, two of the best gunsmiths in the region, if not in the entire state, they can build you a custom rifle. They can fix whatever's wrong with the firearm you have right now. And get you back out there taking care of business between now and the beginning of dove season. You better get those guns ready for dove season. All you have to do to get your ammo, to get optics, to get a new gun, to buy a pre-owned gun, get some hunting just hunting supplies. It's a it's a gun store for heaven's sakes. That's all it is. There's no washing machines in there. There's no bicycles in there. It's a gun store. Go in there, be around people who enjoy the shooting sports. Be around people who talk guns the way you and I talk guns. Palmer Highway, 29th Street, 281-474-9494. If you wear a badge for a living, you get a discount, by the way. TheShootersCornerTX.com. TheShootersCornerTX.com. This is Sports Talk 790 on the go with iHeartRadio. Friends, you've got to try it. The conversation continues. This is the Doug Pike Show.
Welcome back. Doug Pike Show on Sports Talk 790. Let me take this weather thing off of here. Hold on. I've got mice running all over this console. I've got my little teeny tiny um, junior woodchuck laptop screen fired up in here. One, two, three, four, five, six giant screens in here, and I can't use any of them. Just caught up in the heat of the moment, Doug. <sighs> my God. <laughs> Oh, no. Are we there already? Looking at temperatures. Yeah. yeah. The heat of the moment. I got messed up. I looked at the wrong number, and Ryan informed me that my Cracker Jack listening staff uh, immediately let him know that there was a foul. There was a flag on the play. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, I fumbled. <laughs> Yeah, him and Rick, right? And both of them just well, kind of... Well, they called at the same time, but Kevin was like, I'm showing 86 in Galveston. I was like, I appreciate it, Kevin. I can't put you on hold quick enough. Tell Doug. Hop to your defense, did but, they? Yeah, he had to run. Oh, my god. My call back later. All right. Well, I'm looking... Uh, th- 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 oh, yeah. Yeah, Rudy Rudy brought up a point, and it was, it was brought up in an email yesterday, and we didn't have time to get to it. But yesterday, in case you missed it was gun buyback day in the city of Houston, where no questions asked, they would give you somewhere between 50 and $200 for any firearm you wanted to bring. No questions asked. Interesting. Now, yeah, I'll say. In other cities where these things have been done, also interestingly, People have been working the line. You know, there'll be a line of people. Now, they did it in cars this time, and I'm sure that's one of the things after the first few buybacks around the country that law enforcement wanted to deal with, because there would be people standing out there with some old, older people, typically, or maybe younger people who had no interest in guns but had a parent who loved them. And they would be walking the line with a little cash in their pockets. Hey, man, how much you want for that? Hey, man, what, you want to sell that gun? The the city's going to give you a hundred dollars for it. I'll give you six hundred right now. And so there was a lot of transactioning going on in the buybacks. So now they put them in cars. I guess that's why too. And I don't. Once again, I'm not going to go political in this program. I got to get get back to fishing as fast as I can. But man, if you really believe that that giving somebody fifty or a hundred dollars for a gun, first of all, most of those guys aren't going to sell back their guns. They need them because they're professional criminals, and without a gun, they don't have nearly so great an edge over someone they might want to make their victim. I don't know what a gun costs on the street out of somebody's trunk. I really don't, and I don't want to ever have to find out. But I bet you those things are worth more than what the city offered. Now, they did say in the in the press release, functioning, non-functioning, whatever. And I wondered on 50 Plus this past week whether gun parts which in some cases now are considered full firearms under the rules and regulations of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives. I wondered if you could just take your gun apart and then take every part up there in a separate plastic bag and say, I'll take 100 for that, I'll take 100 for that, I'll take 100 for that, I'll take 100 for that. Now, if you can manage to get $1,500, $1,800 for a bunch of bags of parts, that might be worth it. But no, they're not going to get... No criminals giving up his guns. 
No criminals giving up his guns for these things. They're, they're just a waste of time. 713-212-5790. Email me, Doug Pike at iHeartMedia.com. You know what they do? They make the, they make, they make some people feel safer, but not me, not you. I guarantee you, you will never hear someone who has an armed security detail step up to a microphone the day after a gun buyback and say, whew, that went really well. I'm giving up my safety detail. I don't need them anymore. The streets are safe now. No, not happening. 713-212-5790. Email me, Doug Pike at iHeartMedia.com. I'm having to lean over here and drag the microphone with me to see my itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny little screen on my laptop. We're good on all that stuff. <sighs> I wanted to talk about that. Oh, I'll give you an update from from the Bass Lake yesterday. If you if you listened yesterday, you know that I caught some pretty good fish. I did. I caught quite a few. I had more bites than I expected even, but when the temperature, this was day before yesterday, late in the afternoon, out there off of 99, a little ways north of 90, I'm standing on this water and I see this dark cloud kind of form up off to the south southeast. And it's pushing our way. It's not a big wave of rain, nothing we had to run from. But just I noted that it was it was building a little bit and there was a little bit of lightning cracking eight or ten miles out from where we were. And the air cooled and the wind changed. Falling pressure, air change, wind change, everything changes, and those fish went to eating. I don't know that they had just been sitting out there doing nothing while the lures were dragged over their heads earlier. But the one guy who, uh, Blake over there, who was out fishing with me, one thing he does, he'll stand in the same spot and keep casting and casting and casting and casting. Almost like you're at a, a favorite spot, say, on the jetties. And you know that it's, it's, at some point, fish are going to come by there and you're going to be there when they come by. He fishes it like that. I like to move. I like to keep that lure moving. I like to keep it in, throw it in different directions. Bottom line is we got a bunch of bites two days ago in water that we had been fishing for quite some time. And all of a sudden they kind of turned on and, you know, there they were. Yesterday, no weather change whatsoever for the hour, right about an hour I put into that same spot and I had one bite. And the way that place is built, the bite came right exactly where I figured it probably would when I walked up there. But by the time these fish, I think what they do is deliberately sit out there and just say, don't, no, no, not this time. Let it, let it go by. Let it go by. Let that lure, let it go. Shh, don't, 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 don't make a sound. Don't move a fin. And so I get lulled into this false sense that there are no fish there. And just about the time I'm going to give up and go somewhere else. Okay, now go get it. And I hooked a, an honest six-pounder, an honest six. Once again, four feet off the rod tip. There's almost nothing I can do. I'm just about to pull the lure out of the water, and boom, there she is. And I gave her a little slack, let her shake around a little bit, and the hook let go, which is fine with me. I got to see the fish. I got to feel the good tug. I got to see the line go sideways when she ate, all the great things. But I never had to touch her, which is good. Because that means I didn't have to potentially damage that fish. I need to start, Ryan, we need to start a calendar or a countdown. Is there, is there any way you can put a countdown clock 
somewhere. Do you know how to make a countdown clock where the, I could put it in my Facebook feed or something like that? I can definitely. Is look that into doable? It. I can look into it. We put a man on the moon like sixty years ago, so surely we can get a countdown clock to my Facebook page to count down to opening morning of dove season. Rick mentioned it briefly a minute ago when he talked about. Now, we're probably going to get a, a big, heavy rain a few days before that. Frankly, we could use, but I'm not going to wish for, because that's dangerous this time of year, we could use a little more water around here. But I'm not going to wish for it. I will take whatever the sky decides to drop our way. I'm not going to be greedy. I'm not going to jinx anything for anybody. But it'll get here before September 1st. You can just about count on that. It always has. It always will. 713-212-5790. Email me, DougPike at iHeartMedia.com. We'll take a little break here. Come back in a minute or two or well, maybe three or four. I don't know. That's in charge. That's Ryan's in charge of all that. A reminder that Belleville Meat Market, the place that Lamont so so brilliantly described and and, and bragged on for me, he helped me out yesterday. He called out of the blue and said, hey, that's a great place, man. I couldn't agree with him more. Belleville Meat Market has been out there for you know, since the 80s. Since 1981, the Poffenberger family has owned and operated Belleville Meat Market. They do today. They have fresh-cut steaks to order. They have beef, chicken, and pork cut however you want. They have two dozen-plus flavors of pecan-smoked award-winning sausage. Bacon wrap, cheese stuff, jalapenos, and mushroom caps. They have handmade tamales that are as big as junior footballs and delicious on top of that. And anytime you're out there, if the lights are on and the doors are open, you can get yourself a barbecue lunch. Just go. Here's the, the strategy, the best family strategy to take advantage of Belleville is to gather everybody in the vehicle. Fill the tank, take off for Belleville from wherever you are, and along the way have a family discussion of what you would like to eat that you can get at Belleville Meat Market for the next two weeks. You get there, you walk the family inside, you hand off that list and say, we're going to go out on the patio and eat, and we'll be back. You go a few steps to your left, you order your lunch, you go outside, eat on the patio where it's always comfortable somehow. I don't know how they do that. And then when you come back in, your order will be boxed and ready to haul home and put in the freezer, put in the refrigerator, ultimately on the stovetop, in the oven, in the microwave, on the grill. I don't care where you put it. You're going to love it. Belleville Meat Market. All you got to do is get there. 15 minutes north of Sealy, 15 minutes south of Hempstead on Highway 36. Very easy to find. BellevilleMeatMarket.com. You can start your search right there. You just can't You just can't eat it, but boy, you can see it. And if you, if you just stare really hard at the screen, you can smell those sausage flavors from Belleville Meat Market. BellevilleMeatMarket.com. This is Sports Talk 790. Online at sports790.com. Now, more Doug Pike. I was raised off of Route Route 3, out past where the black top ends. We'd walk to church on Sunday morning, race barefoot back to Johnson's Fence. That's where I first saw Mary on 
837 on Sports Talk 790, the Doug Pike Show. Thank you for listening. I certainly do appreciate it. I, I genuinely do. I, that's no baloney either. I, I got the nicest email yesterday from from Bonnie, Joe, and Paul. I don't know if I, I'm not going to give their last names because they they didn't give me permission to do anything. But I, I wanted to respond to the, the kind words that were sent my way. So thank you. Public thank you, Bonnie, Joe, and Paul. That was very nice of you. I have an email here from Keith. Keith writes, while surfing, I've been noticing more bait fish, what he calls spritzes, whatever they're called when bait fish fly out of the water like little fish fountains. Got a one-ounce shad-looking rattle trap I've been fishing. My question is on the retrieve. In the past, when they're biting, I can retrieve really fast, but I'm just wondering... If you have any advice on speed, here's what you do. You try retrieve A. for if there's, if there's active bait fish, you know what those bait fish are doing out there. They're running for their lives. If they could talk, if, if mullet and menhaden and glass minnows and what else do they tear up? Shrimp. If all of those those forage species, those bait species could make sounds, you'd be deaf if you tried to go to the beach. Because every time they come up and shower across the surface like that, if they could make a sound, all you would hear is, ah, run for your life, swim, swim. They're getting chased. Something's trying to eat them. What you need to do if you're going to try to catch fish around there is figure out what triggered the one big fish to go after the one little fish it's chasing, it just doesn't, it doesn't close its eyes and open its mouth and just swim fast and hope it catches something. It's got eyes on, on one fish. And if you'll, if you'll watch videos of bait balls offshore and sailfish or striped marlin or whatever working them, they get these bait fish all balled up and then they get around to a certain point they size them up they see one they focus on that one and they go cutting through that bait ball and pick that one out of there now they might knock off a couple more with that big bill when they go in but they're focused on one and all those bait fish are, are trying to get away and one of them usually doesn't but if you'll try different retrieves you'll figure out at some point what the trigger is that's making that bigger fish quit just idling alongside that bait or quit turning that bait into a tighter ball and accelerate through there and eat something. Don't You, you don't need to ask me. You don't need to ask anybody else. The best teacher, when you know you've got active bait and they're showering like that, the best teacher is going to be those fish. Try 10 different retrieves. Try 20. Try pumping the rod tip a couple of times. Try slowing it down. Speed it up. Raise the rod tip. Lower the rod tip. Sooner or later, you're going to get a bite. And the, the hard part for me is remembering what I was doing on that cast. Because as soon as the rod comes tight and I feel that fish, I forgot what I just did. I, my, I'm so focused on the, the present that the past, especially that little short-term past, God, what tree was that? I can't remember. You'll figure it out. 
just get out there and keep fishing. I I would love to say move it faster. Now, if they're if they're bait fish being blown up on the surface, put a top water on. Try it. That's that's the best shot you got. If they're if the big fish are pushing the bait up and and knocking it around and killing it on the surface, try that. If you're in the surf though, you got to make sure that you're not looking at jackfish blowing up through these bait fish because if you hook one of them on your trout rod, you you're going to be there a while and your trout fishing days are just got put on hold until you can get at least enough line back on your reel that you can justify popping that monster off. There's all kinds of good fish out there. All kinds of good fish. Rick Bice weighed in on his real estate comment. That, I'm, I'm so glad he, he talked about how how the, even his business, the buying and selling of ranches, has been has been changed with windmills. Man, oh man! I, even if your property's windmill free, if the if the guy next door gets his head turned by a big check and pops up five or six of them, you can see those things for miles. No question about it. All right, so, man, yeah, I, Keith, the best advice I can give you when you're fishing that surf like that or when you're fishing anywhere that bait fish are being blown up is, try. first of all, try to throw something in there that looks kind of like what they're eating. And secondly, make it do whatever those fish probably want to see. And I would bet that if you'll let that lure drop a little bit, and get it down under the big school of bait fish up closer to the surface, you'll have a much better chance. Topwaters, I love. I always go to them. But I think it's just as important under those circumstances in a lot of cases to drop something underneath all that bait up toward the top. The bait's being pushed to the top. They don't want to be there. They just want to be going about their lives happy and healthy. But they got pushed up there. And what you're trying to catch is below them. So don't hesitate to go down a little deeper either. I don't know that I would be dredging something across the bottom under those circumstances, but I'd sure be fishing in the middle of that water column with something that swims, and I'd put little rips in it, some some good, steady uh, whips of that rod tip to move that bait three or four feet maybe in a real quick move to kind of trigger, trigger a reaction bite. Oh, so many ways, so many ways to get there. And they're all fun because you're fishing for all of them. All right, let's take a little break here. On the way out, I'll tell you about Incredible. This is the stain remover that I have had in my house, quite honestly and literally, more than 20 years. Never a day has gone by that there was none. My wife's never come to me and said, oh, we're running out of... Well, she said we're running out, we need a new bottle. She's never said we're out of incredible because we won't let it get that way we pick that thing up it feels kind of light up back to the grocery store off we go incredible's been around for a for decades and it's a very simple water-based product that has water and magic in it i don't know what the other ingredients are i'm not going to ask the man who owns the company it's not not any of my business all i know is that it works on getting out all kinds of stains everything you can imagine just about out of the rugs, the carpet, the clothes, the furniture, upholstery in your car. All kinds of stains it'll get out. Very safe for pets and kids, too. It's water-based, as I mentioned. There's no smell, either, which is really nice. A lot of things that clean just make your eyes water and your throat scratch. 
Not incredible. Just pour some on the stain, wait a bit, and then blot it away with a clean, dry cloth. It is just that easy and just that simple to make all those little headaches in your rugs and carpet go away. Ask for it by name at HEB and most fine hardware stores. Incredible. This is Sports Talk 790. Facebook.com slash Sports Talk 790. Back to the Doug Pike Show. Fifty on Sports Talk seven ninety, the Doug Pike Show. Thank you for listening. That's taken care of. That's taken care of. Yeah, I'm, I'm still lamenting yesterday's sluggish bass action. It's just like a roller coaster this time of year. The, the temperature, the, the weather can change, and even subtle changes tend to start making things happen this time of year, especially after a long period of hundred degree weather. Holy cow. It, when that temperature fell two days ago over there by that lake, it probably dropped to maybe the high 70s. And it didn't last long, ironically, sadly, just from that one little that one little twist up of, of cool air and, and, and light rain somewhere. It cooled it off quick. But boy, those fish sure responded. It's like watching the stock market and gas prices up and down and up and down. Only the, the action doesn't stay as far up as gas prices have lately. Never mind. All right, let me um, do this, and then I'll go to 713-212-5790. Email me, DougPike at iHeartMedia.com. I'm, I'm tending to some emails. I was during the break. I'll get back to them in a little bit. Hey, Kevin, what's up, man? Not much. How you doing, Doug? I'm great. Thank you. Just finished up working at Bok Tournament at Surfside Marina. How'd that weekend. come out? Pretty good. Um, they had 21 inshore teams and 11 offshore teams. Wonderful. Offshore con- offshore conditions were a little bit on the um, bumpy side. So yeah, I saw that. Less than some of the smaller boats from getting into it. Um, still had some decent fish turned in. Had a 41-pound grouper, I think, was a big fish. And winning kingfish was a little over 35 pounds. Dang, it's inshore, not bad. We had in- inshore, the... Had a, a 28 inch trout that was a big trout, was just shy of seven pounds. That's a big trout and, anywhere, uh, man. Yeah, this uh, flounder was just a little over 21, a little over four pounds. Did have one kid that's uh, one of the kids that's actually sponsored and um, and and helped out by the Bach, which is a organization that helps handicapped children. Right. And this young boy was in a wheelchair. Um, I think he had spina bifida. And he had caught a big gar and a big redfish, and he ended up winning. Get the out big, of here. Um, Good for him. Yeah. He ended up winning the big big fish category. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad a, to hear it, man. I'm glad you guys had a good event. Yes, sir. Uh, that's got one more tournament I'll be working this year, and that's going to be August 20th. It's uh, Rosoria County Go Texan, which is a Houston Sock, Livestock Show and Rodeo Committee. They're putting on a inshore tournament at Captain Mark's Bass Trout Marina. All right. And that'll be another another one coming up. Okay. Other than that, uh, um, have a great weekend and 
Take care. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate the call. Appreciate the update. See you, buddy. Yes, sir. All right. All right. Let me go here. Got that. I'm learning all this software in here, Ryan. I am. It, it's amazing. I Ross came in yesterday and was, was punching up screens and making everything start. I said, when are you going to teach me how to do that? He said, I already have. I said, no, coming in here and doing it while I'm packing up is not teaching me anything. That's just you getting you ready. I need to learn how to do what he does. Well, I need it. Tutorial. After the show, then we got Facebook. We got tutorial on TVs. Yeah, I want the tutorial on TV so that I can get like maybe you on one screen. I can get the callers on another. I can get some fishing show on another screen and get the PGA Tour wherever they're playing on the the final screen. Well, let's not go crazy now. That's not crazy. (laughs) That's entry level for you guys. But for me, the irony when the when the software was all still really, really fresh, every time I'd ask somebody to help me out with a question, they'd say, just get with the IT guys and let them show you. But what I need to learn is stuff that's in the studio, and the IT guys are only here Monday through Friday, about 8 to 5, and they take, a what, about a four-hour lunch, I think, isn't it? And so you can never find them. And when I do find them, there's somebody in the studio live on the air. I can't come in here and disrupt that well we'll try to get it done today then yeah we're gonna i'll be the it crash course you are from henceforth i'm gonna call you it and i'm gonna figure out what that acronym stands for depending on the based on the level of of help you offer i'm gonna come up with a an acronym definition for it ryan money i think it is i think i think this will work i think i like that this is how you do it if you just made that up it's genius genius yeah did you just make that up i did yeah Yeah, i like that that's what it stands for i think i think that's how they always say it every time ask any of these engineers hey how, how does this work well i think if we do this how can i fix this oh i think this i like that yeah well you should trademark that very quickly before someone else does all right, 713-212-5790. Email me, Doug Pike at iHeartMedia.com. I'm going to take these last couple of minutes before we go to the break at the top of the hour to kind of talk about upcoming Dove season. Rick and I talked about it a little while ago. He was the one who let the cat out of the bag about it raining before Dove season. So when it does, blame Rick. Don't blame me. He started it. No, honestly, anybody and everybody who's made more than, say, 10 or 12 opening day Dove hunts, knows that even if there's not a cloud in the sky, even if you look at a forecast like we're looking at now, no chance of rain for four or five more days, maybe six. I don't know. I haven't even looked. Hang on. I can tell you how many. If I go here and then go here, let's see quickly. Oh, wow. See, oh, here we go again. Yesterday, there was no chance of rain until next Friday or Saturday. Now, there's a 40% chance of rain tomorrow. How is this possible? Why is it happening? I don't know. One way or the other, the forecasters, and I know they're doing their best, but all they're doing is just letting the computers run the algorithms to figure out what's supposed to happen next. And apparently some some jiggle wiggled and, and made us have a 40% chance of rain tomorrow. Then three days with no rain, allegedly, so far, and then a 20% chance on Friday. I'm I'm just so frustrated by the weather, by all these things. They're so easy. So easy, really. Go outside. So here's what's going to happen. 
Between now and September 1st, we're going to get a significant rain. The closer we get to September 1st without it, the more likely we are to get it. It's what spoils probably, I'd say not that many, maybe 20% of the dove hunts in the state of Texas on opening day probably get kind of messed up because it rains. Doves don't like wet feet. They will fly a long ways to find someplace dry to sit down and eat or sit down and get a little drink of water, maybe get some grit off the off the county road, that little dusty stuff on the sides of roads. That's why the doves are there. They're not they're not picking up seeds on the side of the road. They're picking up grit that they get down in their little gullets and helps them digest their food. Dove hunting's so much fun. I I need to go shoot some some rounds out at American go out to American shooting centers and rip it up out there, man. They've got all those shooting stations. They've got all the help out there if, you, if you're if you kind of messed up. There are some really fantastic shooting instructors at American, by the way. I'll talk more about them later. On the way out to the top here, well, holy cow, wait a minute. No, I'll wait. I'll hold that. Let's just go clean straight to the break, and I'm going to get Ryan. I'm going to, Ryan, during this break, I'm going to make a list of things I want to learn after the show. All right, and we'll we'll just kind of oh, ease God. through it. Yeah, I know. He won't be here past three or four. Don't worry. Okay, good. All right, we'll take a little break here. We'll come back more of the Doug Pike Show. We'll hit the golf side when we get back. Uh, Sports Talk 790. This is the Doug Pike Show, brought to you by American Shooting Centers. Guns, shooting, and instruction since 1989. And by TakingVegas.com. Over 20 years helping sports investors make better, more informed decisions. Now, here's Doug Pike. Second hour of the program starts right now. Thank you for listening. I certainly do appreciate it. You know that. If you don't, I'm telling you. It, it matters. It matters. There, I, some people, it matters more to than others, probably. But I, I really do want to thank you guys for listening to the program for the contributions you make i've got some regular contributors that are rock solid i'm i'm always well i'm never surprised let's say when somebody calls for a first time and just knocks it out of the park has some great contribution to make and that's emails too i've got a a good solid base of emailing folks and holy cow holy cow do they come up with some good stuff, good questions, good topics? So don't be shy. I, I get a lot of people I, I'll run into somewhere and I'll be introduced and somebody recognizes the name and, oh, yeah, I listen to your show, man. Thank you. Why haven't you called the show then? It's been listening for years. Why haven't you ever called? I don't know. I, I just I'm kind of shy. It's just like talking to a friend. There's other people listening to our conversation. It's like talking to a friend in a big restaurant. That makes sense, Ryan? Ryan? Yes, sir. <laughs> I didn't mean to wake you. Yeah, no, I was editing. Sorry. Oh, okay. I was staring right at you and I was talking. You and all you guys, I know you're doing other things in there. But when I was I was looking at you, it looked like, oh, yeah, he's listening. So I'm I asked listening. you a question. Well, yeah, Don't because, worry about you know, yeah, when you call in, you're just talking to a friend and I, I likened it to can hear it. Yeah, and, I likened it to being in a conversation with a friend in a huge packed restaurant. With no background music. Zero. No, not <laughs> nobody else is making a sound. They're just well, listening. Man, people driving around, there's background music. I'm still, 
Amazing how I thought the trend for having giant speakers that rattle your windows when the bass notes are being played. I thought that had kind of gone away, but every now and then I'm reminded that it hasn't. Yeah, it's still around. It's not as prominent as it used to be. I Thank think goodness. Because all those guys went deaf, but it's still around. I told you what I did, didn't I, when my son was small, when he was young? What'd you do? I kept in, and I still, I think if I looked around long enough in the car, I would find a duck call, okay? And, and I'd practice my duck calling as an old waterfowl guide. It was just something I did pretty regularly. And so I would have it with me, and when we would get to a light, Somewhere and somebody's got that boom, boom, boom going. I would just roll down my window, and between booms, I'd lay out a big bunch of duck calling. And the heads start turning in those cars, and they don't know where it's coming from. I keep a window just a little ways up where they can't see me doing what I'm doing through my tinted windows. They're not that dark, but nonetheless. And my son used to just get the biggest kick out of that. The other, I'll tell you another game we play, and this is something all of us can play at stoplights, okay? What percentage, it's, it's got to be 50, 60%, Ryan, of people, when you pull up to a stoplight and there are cars stopped to the left or the right of you, what are they always doing? On their phone. On the phone. Okay, if you want to play a little game with them, they're on their phone, but they don't want to be the person who's still sitting there and gets honked at for being there so late. So if you want to play the game, and my son and I have proved this works 90% of the time, you sit there and you stay completely stopped, and even with the light still red, just lift your foot off the brake and roll forward about four feet and look at them and see if they don't start rolling forward with you. They'll look up and drop that phone and start to roll, and then as soon as you stop again, they'll stop again. And then the, the, the game is to see how many times you can bluff them into rolling forward before the light turns green. It's hilarious. It's fun, man. It is good. Some of them kind of start looking up at me like, hey, why, why are you going, man? Now, potentially silly question, because now that you told the story, I do remember you telling me, you know, back when I was probably newer here about the duck call over the sound system thing. Is the duck call really that loud that they can hear it over oh, yeah. their music? Yeah, yeah. Ducks can hear it a quarter mile away, half a wow. mile away. It's just they play that music so loud. Yeah. I'm actually surprised they could hear it. Well, you got to go between the beats. I mean, or you just have you to have, have a, a perpetual note coming out. Right. It probably makes them think their speakers are broken. <laughs> Turn it down. It's about to blow. Yeah, you're about to blow it, man. That <laughs> may be. I, I've, I've got all my mom's money on these speakers, man. Yeah, I got a friend who makes duck calls for a living. I'm going to try to get him to make me one that's really super high pitched and sounds like a speaker that's just about to just to just blow the face off the thing. <laughs> Something like that. Oh, they'll love it. Yeah, well, I'm I'm getting too old to do that kind of stuff, too, because if somebody got out and got mad, well, I can defend myself. 713-212-5790. Email me, DougPike at iHeartMedia.com. I want to go back. Well, no, let's go to the Rocket Mortgage Classic, and then I'm going to go back. I'm going to make a big circle this around this so I don't forget. In case you haven't noticed, I my mind tries to multitask. Scientifically... They say that multitasking can't be done. You're just toggling back and forth between the the two specific and singular tasks. Uh, but one way or the other, if I don't circle what I just circled and put it right in front of me, I'll forget. So let's go to the rocket. Oh, I've got the wrong mouse. Stand by. I'm going to go all the way over here. Tap that. 
Yeah, I watched some of this yesterday afternoon, and I wondered if Taylor Pendrith was going to be able to go toe-to-toe with Tony Finau, but he did. And the two of them find themselves now. This is just so amazing to me. They're 21 under par through three rounds. They are averaging seven under par. Now, that doesn't mean that par is too easy to make. It just means these guys are that good. They really, really, truly are that good. Cam Young, well, with those two at 21, Cam Young looks like a, a, a an outlier at 17. Under. He's four shots off the lead that those two guys established yesterday, but still with a shot, still with a chance. Stefan Yeager at 16 under par. Patrick Cantlay at 15. He moved up nicely. He shot 66 yesterday. Jager shot 65, as did Young, as did Finau. It makes Taylor Pendrith's 66 look kind of iffy. The 14 all by himself, Scott Stallings. Taylor Moore, Siwoo Kim at 13, playing for a little bit bigger check. Hey, that's still a top 10. In the top 10, you've got... Those guys, plus the 12s, Adam Svensson, Chris Kirk, and Russell Henley. All of those guys. Add the 12s, nah. I don't, no, they're nine shots off the lead. That's not happening. Even, I think even really at 14 under par, Scott Stallings is not, he's not going to win this tournament. Now, I've been proved wrong before, too. I've seen guys make big moves and, and more power to them. They are, they're all capable of birdying every hole they tee up a ball on. Every one of them can do that. It's just a question of how how big a bite they want to try to take out of that golf course. 713-212-5790. Email me, Doug Pike at iHeartMedia.com. Let's go back to shooting sports for a minute. Hunting season starts September 1. We've talked about that this week, this past week. And when it does, you need to be ready. You really do. You need to be ready to go. That means that you need to practice. First of all, you got to get your guns out and make sure they're all cleaned up and ready to go. Make sure you didn't put too much oil on them when you put them away. Make sure you didn't leave any dust and dirt and grime in there when you put them away. Take the time now to break that thing down. Spread out a, a sheet on the floor if you want. Make sure you... I'll tell you, a good thing to spread out on the floor in front of you if you really want to, if you don't have a workbench and you're going to have to do your work on, on the floor or on a on any other surface than a workbench, go buy, go invest like four bucks in a shower curtain, a clear shower curtain, and spread that thing out on the table and then do that work on there because all of that, Whatever oil comes out of anything you touch, whatever oil you apply to something, you can put your oily rag right down there and just you just fold your shower curtain up and put it away in a, a, a bag or a box and have it ready to use next time. I used to do that before I had a workbench. Now I have one, so it's not so bad. Of course, I have lures all over my workbench right now. I'm in the middle of another project. So you get your guns ready to go. Then you go to the range. Yeah, well, you get your guns ready to go. I, I skipped a step. This is your home help step. This is your home therapy for poor shooting technique. Practice mounting your gun. Practice mounting it flat. Okay? Practice mounting it flat, which means you don't want the barrel and the stock coming off of the same plane as the gun comes up to your shoulder. Does that make sense? 
Ryan, look at this and tell me if it makes sense. Okay, this is the cor- the wrong way to mount a gun. Up like that and then like that. The correct way is like that. Can you understand that? I can understand it. it. Yeah. I don't know if I can replicate it. But so I can now if everybody it. had video, we could we could do that. But it, it's a simple thing. Look up a couple of good lessons somewhere, and um, they'll show you. Gun mounting lessons, there's probably a million of them on YouTube. And learn to do that. Learn to mount that gun flat. If you want to learn to make that gun mount flat and track flat, take a little mini mag flashlight. And and most of them will fit into a 20 or 12 gauge barrel. This is any flashlight that will slide into that barrel very gently now. And you want to turn the end of it where it manipulates the beam to its tightest setting. If you could find it, there are some um, bore lights that you could use. And what you're trying to do is establish a, a beam of light that you can track on your wall. You're not trying to flood the whole light with wall. You just want a beam, a straight beam. And then mount that gun, come up flat to where the wall meets the ceiling. And then practice mounting to put that gun right there where you're looking. That's where your target is. And then track that light all the way around the room keeping it in that seam between the walls and the ceiling. And once you start doing that, you're going to be just that much closer to being a pretty good shot. Now you got to take it outside and you got to go shoot some targets. Go over to American Shooting Centers. You could do that. American Shooting Centers, I'm, you know what? They're first up. We're going to take care of this right now. American Shooting Centers has 200 plus shooting stations and a bunch of those stations are for shotguns. They have five stand. They have three sporting clays courses. They have a beginner's area for wing shooting. They have trap and skeet fields. All day long, you can go out there and bust clay targets and get better and better. If you're if you're shooting a box of shells and at a on say the skeet field, which is pretty decently easy to to get good at. If you're not busting forty percent. You absolutely should be taking lessons. Not a lot of them, but at the cost of ammo these days, uh, a 30-minute lesson, a one-hour lesson from someone who really knows what they're doing to kind of make sure that your fundamentals are right, it's kind of like golf. If you want to get better at shooting, take shooting lessons. If you want to get better at golf, take golf lessons. Get somebody behind you. Get somebody who can help you with the gun mount. Get somebody who can help you with moving that barrel and matching its speed with the target speed and then putting it where it belongs and and busting targets. It's not really super hard. It's not nearly as hard as golf to become pretty good at wing shooting. And you can brag to your friends, get out there and come back with an entire limit of birds and still shells in the bag and you only took one box. I know a lot of guys take two boxes, two boxes of shells into the field for a dove hunt. They're bad shots. American Shooting Centers can fix that. They can help you with your rifle shooting. They can help you with your pistol shooting. They have ranges out there from five yards to 600 yards. And there's also a very cool rimfire only range, 22s, with pop-ups, uh, metal silhouette targets that are a blast. My son and I used to do that a lot. We need to get back out there and do that some more. American Shooting Centers, they're on... Westheimer Parkway between Katy and Highway 6, a little closer to 6th than to Katy, I believe. I think that's a fair assessment. When you see the big giant berms of dirt, those are the backstops. 
Those are the backstops that have have followed up the shots that have punched thousands and millions of bullseye holes out there over the years, since 1989, actually. AmericanShootingCenters.com is a website. Go check it out there. they got plenty of guns, plenty of ammo, plenty of reloading supplies, and lots of good instruction in a very safe atmosphere. Enjoy shooting sports at AmericanShootingCenters.com. We are Sports Talk 790. Are you ready? Listen online at Sports790.com. Now, more Doug Pike. I'll put a big Texas smile on your face. I said, girls, I ain't as good as I once was. I got a few years on me now. But there was a time back in my prime. That's a that's a classic old song there. Nine twenty one on Sports Talk seven ninety, the Doug Pike Show. Thank you for listening. Seven one three two one two five seven ninety. Email me Doug Pike at iHeartMedia.com. Let me grab this and punch that, and we'll go talk to Mark. What's up, Mark? Hey Doug, how are you? I'm great, man. Thank you. Well, I'm sitting out in my backyard smoking a cigar and drinking a cup of coffee. (laughs) Life's good, man. Hey, listen, on this live thing, uh, I understand that, you know, they only play 54 holes and they're guaranteed money. And uh, I was listening to one of the golf commentators the other day, and he said they're apparently all real close. They stay in the same hotel. The problem is they have to do a lot of traveling, you know, they're going to end up going to Asia and all kinds sure. of places. And and I see where Bubba Watson crossed over, and I'm sure there's going to be some more. This is probably going to end up in the courts, but personally, I'm not going to support anything that has to do with Saudi Arabia, you know. Okay. Uh, that's just me. Yeah. Uh, the PG. Listen, I watch all the tours. I watch the PGA. I watch the Corn Ferry. I watch sure. the Champions. I watch the Ladies. Uh, personally, I, I could care less. I mean, it's, I don't think it's going to hurt the game. Uh, you know, over here, and I don't think these guys playing on the live deserve to be able to play in the um, majors. I know they want star power, but. My God, you know, this is going to go on and on. I don't know how it's going to end up. What do you think? At some point, the Live Tour is going to be... The the players who went to that tour, you have to remember... Let's talk about whether or not they're going to be in the majors, whether or not they're among the game's most elite players. If they're only playing against the same 30, 40, 50, 100 other guys all year round... We don't know how they stack up. How can we plug them into the world rankings if they're never playing against the guys who are against Tony Finau, against Jordan Spieth? How do we know? How how do we know how good they are? So where, how do you place them in the world rankings? I just don't see how they're going to do that. Now, uh, you could say the same for the European tour guys or the Asian tour guys, but there's a lot more... There's a lot more history in the rounds of golf played by those guys than there is in the Live Tour right now. And I, I, they've got so many. Every time they 
pick up somebody new, there's another question that comes up about its future. And at some point, there's a reason Charles Barkley said no. And it, it has to be related to money, which means that they may be thinking, okay, hold on, we've written a lot of really, really big checks here. Let's just don't keep going crazy. And if it was a, if it was enough, if if it wasn't enough to turn Barkley's head, eh, more power to him. I'm glad he stayed where he stayed. But he's making a business decision just like all those other guys did. And most of the guys they're picking up really are are current names. They're not even the current best players in the world in a lot of cases. They're just current names. And they have nowhere else to draw from. They're going to have to keep writing these giant checks because they don't have a smaller corn ferry tour like proving ground from which to draw more people up to the big leagues. That makes sense? Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Back to what you were saying, a guy like Dustin Johnson, I don't think he deserves to be in the world rankings. I mean, uh, if he's playing over there, it's it's easier. Uh, yeah, who's he playing like against? Rory and Rory and Spieth and Cantley and Cam Smith and I hope they don't get Cam Smith. I saw something where they, you know, I don't believe in here every thing I see on the internet. I believe but. that they have probably by now. Greg Norman has probably reached out to seventy-five to ninety percent of the players they'd love to have over there, and uh-huh. it probably has answers from ninety percent of them, yes or no. And the ones who were going to jump have jumped. And now it's going to get more and more difficult because the guys who stayed with the PGA Tour, the guys who stayed the course, are seeing some of the backlash that those other players are getting for taking that big money and running. Yeah, I even saw something where John Daly, who I've always liked, I know he's had some off-the-field issues, but... He's to the point where he's past his prime as far as the PGA goes. Now, sure. he could play on the champions, but he says, I, I can't make any money on the champions. No, they can't. And I, I could understand him going over there, somebody like that. But, you know, like you said, they're not getting the, the cream of the crop. No. And, uh, it's it, a sideshow, honestly. It really is. Well, I'll let you go. I okay. just wanted to run that by you. Yeah, guys. thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Take care. See you, buddy. Yeah, it's it's not it's not highest level golf. It, now they've got some players who can play highest level golf. There's no question about it. But when you look at a guy like John Daly, John Daly, why would he not? Why would he not take one check that amounts to more than he could probably make if he played on the Tour Champions for another 15, 20 years? He went Bernard Longer on him and just stayed there forever. He's still not going to make as much as the Saudi Arabians wanted to offer him to come over and just, here you go. Here's your signing bonus. It equals what you would make in all if you keep working 30 weeks a year playing on the Tour Champions. That's hard to resist for a guy in his position. He's not the most fit person on earth. He may not, I don't know. I, I hope he lives a, I hope he lives to 110. But he's not set himself up for that. He's the next double cheeseburger that guy knocks back won't be his first. That's for sure. And he's he's got to take that into account as well. He's trying to provide for a family. All these guys are trying to provide for their families and they're being offered generational two generations of money. Two, three, four, five generations of money. Who knows? 
and it would be very hard to turn down. And that's money makes the world go round. The loyalty that the, the guys who are staying with the PGA Tour have shown, especially the high-end players who you know had to be getting offers pretty close to what what DJ got. Eh, it's hard. It's hard. How do you how do you pass that up? How do you pass that up? I don't know that I could. Ryan, if somebody offered you the same amount of money that you would make in the next 10 years as just a signing bonus to go do the same job you're doing somewhere else, would you even have to think about it? No. Like you said, me me slash money, we make the world go around. Somebody wants to give me more of it, I'm going to take it. Yeah, you almost... Now the the there's a deeper issue there, but we don't have yeah. to necessarily get into that. But yeah, if someone if someone that has a business was like, "Hey man, we're gonna let you board, operate, and produce, but you're gonna make ten million dollars instead of ten dollars," you know, what would you do it? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah where, I'll take that. Where do I sign? Yeah, the, the difference. The tour players. I'll come back to this. I think after the break. But the tour players have more. The PGA tour players have far more invested in that tour than a lot of people realize they have a fantastic pension program they have a, there's a lot of perks to being a PGA tour member and that's why I think and, and a lot of loyalty because these guys have been playing a long time and they've seen the good that the tour does for them it's not it's not all fun and games but nor is it all doom and gloom either Hawkeye hunting club is in East Texas. The Piney Woods, the beautiful Piney Woods of East Texas, and has been there for decades. What it has done since day one, when it was opened up originally as a retreat for some of Houston's biggest oil companies, each of which went up there, a dozen or so of them, went up there and built their own lodge. The, the original owner, the man who first started Hawkeye Hunting Club, had a genius vision. If you ever want to email me sometime, I'll explain it to you, and it's fantastic. The new owners inherited a facility that has individual lodges on it, and they're spread out enough that you don't, you probably wouldn't even run into the people. You might hear them at night if they were out swimming or out having fun, cooking out behind their lodge, whatever. You might hear them, but you may not even run into them during the day. You can go up there, and if you feel like doing a quail and pheasant hunt, you can go do that seasonally, of course, in the cool seasons. And this is what they're booking now. Summertime's pretty much booked out. You might be able to sneak in there for a couple of days or a weekend in the next month or two, but they're pretty much booked out. Come fall, there will be quail and pheasant hunting, there will be deer hunting, there will be pig hunting. You can always enjoy the shooting sports up there. They've got a sporting clays course. It's got some pretty tough target setups, I might add. They've got a lighted five-stand course. It's really cool to go enjoy. They've got trap and skeet. They've got all kinds of things to do. Or you can just go bass fishing. Or you can just take beautiful, cool walks in the morning woods. They're on several thousand acres up there. All those lodges, by the way, have between four and eight bedrooms. And each of those bedrooms has its own bathing facility. You don't have to walk down the hall with a towel wrapped around you unless you want to. It's a great place for big extended families to go because you get your own lodge. There's nobody else in there. You get your own lodge, your group, whether it's two of you like it was my son and me or a dozen of you. 
you're going to take a bunch of friends up there. You want to get some of the, the baseball team or the soccer team or the volleyball team together as everybody gets along and they want to have a, a blowout at the end of the season. It'd be a fantastic place for that. Hawkeye Hunting Club. Hawkeye Hunting Club. Go look them up. Go make yourself a reservation for one of the best vacations you ever had. And it is nothing like giant resorts where you're tripping over people all day long. You'll you'll really feel like it's you and you and your group alone out there just enjoying the outdoors. Hawkeyehunting.com. Look it up there. Hawkeyehunting.com. Your Rockets and Astros live here. We are Sports Talk 790. The conversation continues. This is the Doug Pike Show. Thirty-six on Sports Talk Seven Ninety, the Doug Pike Show. Thank you for listening. Much as I enjoy music generally, I'm still drawn to singing more. And I was sitting in the office yesterday after I finished up the show, and somehow, some way, um, there was a, an opportunity to watch a music teacher, a singing coach listen for the first time to pentatonic singing oh what was it i can't hallelujah and to watch the expressions the expression on that woman's face and and watch how she reacted makes me feel better about how i react when i see stuff like that because the the harmony that they achieve is just in my mind, unsurpassed. I mean, there are there are plenty of other good acapella groups out there, but I think they are the the standard bearer. They are the benchmark for quality stuff. And so there you have that. Just a aside. Just came up. I was scrolling through some things and saw something come up that reminded me of watching that yesterday. This woman was moved to tears by people singing. That's and I understand that. I mean, it's they're that good when you really start listening to the voices and almost forget the song you're hearing. Just listen to how those voices blend together. It's pretty cool. Maybe maybe some of my old fishing buddies out there at the club and I can get it. We'll get ourselves a barbershop quartet going and just sing those fish into submission. That might I don't know I don't think that would work very now well. Now you're thinking I know that's not that's not a good thought at all, Ryan. It's really not. You know it, and I know it. Seven one three two one two five seven ninety. Email me Doug Pike at iHeartMedia.com. Let me get back in here and see what's in the email file. Oh yeah, this is a question, and I don't think I think the answer is no. Dennis asked this. Here's a thought, Dennis writes. If Tiger Woods went to live, would the PGA Tour change its ban mandates? I don't think so. I really don't. Maybe back in the day, but not at this stage of his career. Yeah, well, that's a very good point. Yeah, if it were 15 years ago, they'd say, oh, yeah, well, we've reconsidered and this. But even as big a draw as Tiger is now, I just don't see... I don't see them budging for that. We have a significant roster of fantastic PGA players now, and they 
they satisfy they greatly satisfy my desire to see quality golf played on television or in in person when they come through here and so i if if he were to go that way and that was the only place i could see him play i'd Probably still just kind of flip on the PGA Tour event and see who's going on there. Tiger's, Tiger was and will be recalled as the greatest player, I think. I really do. Because in his era, there was a lot of competition. There was a lot more competition than, than was around, I think, in the eras of, of Palmer and Nicholas. They they were greats. There's no question about it. They were greats. But they didn't have as much. They didn't have as many people who could beat them on any given week. I think as as Tiger Woods did, and he just smashed them all into the ground. Just smashed them on. Uh oh, Mojo weighed in. She's she's sick and tired of Hallelujah. That's fine. That's fine. I just just I and you know I've honestly I've heard the song enough times now, and I've heard them do it enough times that I get it. But it was different watching someone else hear it for the first time. That's all. Does Mojo appreciate some of the country music I've been playing now? Probably. I hope so. Probably. I think, yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, Somebody who calls himself Backspin. What is this? Oh, this is, I thought it was a, a legitimate email and it's some corporate pitch. Here's today's tip, it says. Let's see how good it is. Um, it starts off saying, I suggest this. I don't know who this guy is. I suggest hitting range balls with only a pitching wedge and a seven iron. Yeah, that's a great plan. Ignore the rest of your clubs. Ignore working with all of them. But sure, sure. Yeah, don't bother hitting any drivers before you tee off. And for heaven's sakes, don't hit any four irons or any eight irons. Just hit your seven and your pitching wedge. Now, if you're in a big hurry... Uh, hitting those two clubs will will remind you that you're going to need that wedge a lot going around. And the seven iron will give you enough length to stretch out a full swing. But man, I want to see how everything else in the bag is reacting before I take off. I want to see which way that driver wants to go tomorrow. By the way, since my son's been down from his knee surgery and I've been having to take care of him and my wife's been having to take care of him in in great quantities of our time every day my driver swing has eroded and i'm going to have to i'm going to have to fix that at some point i don't know when i'm going to get a chance to do that i hope soon uh one of my old bad habits is creeping back in and i still haven't had chance to do a long enough practice session in reasonable enough weather and i could go out there and beat balls when it's 100 but I can't last as long, and I know that I'm not making consistent swings once I start to get just positively woozy from the heat. So, put Band-Aids on it and keep going. I, I fished after, I played four holes and then went fishing, and through four holes I was even par again yesterday, so that's not horrible. I'll take that. Now, if I could just run that out for 17 holes, I'd be a pretty decent player. I was laughing with that guy Blake out there the other day. Nobody on that Nobody on that property plays the first four holes more than I do. And I quit after four so many times only because the big, cool lake with a lot of a lot of smaller fish, it's kind of an entry-level bass fishing lake, is on the fifth fairway. 
713-212-5790. Email me, Doug Pike at iHeartMedia.com. <laughs> Billy has a joke. Pay attention, Ryan. You'll like this. If liar's pants really were to catch fire, the news would get a lot more interesting. <laughs> there we Wouldn't go. it? Oh, that'd be great. Woo! I like that, Billy. Thank you, man. I'm going to use that more and more and more. A lot. Uh, Rick weighed in earlier. I'm way better at wing shooting back when I was talking about getting ready for dove season with both eyes open. Absolutely. I don't know who, if I don't know anybody, I don't believe I do, who actually tries to shoot with one eye closed. That's a huge mistake, no matter what firearm you've got in your hands. Anything. A bow and arrow, anything, any weapon like that, you need both eyes open. You need it for depth perception, and you need it for target acquisition, and you need all of that vision that you can muster. You use your eyes differently a little bit, getting through a moving target. But, yeah, both eyes open, absolutely, positively. Oh, for heaven's sakes, yeah, anybody who's still thinking shooting one eyeballed, uh think that's okay go get a lesson pretty quick and you'll be amazed at how easy it you're not going to go from breaking three targets to breaking 22 out of a box of shells or a round of skeeter trap overnight but you can get from breaking five to breaking 12 or 15 a little easier than you think but you have to put in the time and you have to you have to break the targets and you have to burn the ammo and you have to have good instruction. It's that simple. Same with golf. Speaking of, Black Horse Golf Club would love to host you today, you and your friends, a couple of them, or if you want to make some arrangements and you have to raise a bunch of money, as many as 200-plus players, all on the same day, all with the same tee time, because they have two golf courses there. This has been a, a great attraction, in addition to being a quality facility. It's a great attraction for golf for Black Horse to golf pe- golf people who want to raise money with a charity event. They have done hundreds, hundreds of events out there. I've attended probably I don't know five, six dozen over the years, and always had a good time at Black Horse. I played when it was wet. I played when it was cold. I played when it was perfect, and we've always had a good time. They manage that golf course and that facility as well as any in town when it comes to raising money for charity and when it comes to just hosting one or two people who show up and would like to get out and play some golf. North course, south course, both are a lot of fun to play. Both are very playable so long as you get yourself to the right tee box and don't beat yourself up. If you really do want to get better than whatever you are right now, check in with Marty Fleckman and his crew down at the far end of the range. They'll be happy to help you get that swing fix, and you'll be standing on ground down there that's been walked by many a PGA Tour pro over the years who came all the way to Black Horse Golf Club to get themselves some instruction. BlackHorseGolfClub.com is the website. They're on Fry Road, just a little way south of 290. Very easy to find. BlackHorseGolfClub.com. We are Sports Talk 790. Houston Sports, where you go with iHeartRadio. Now, now, get more Doug. You couldn't have found pentatonics, right? 
That would have been perfect. No, it's okay. That's all right. Because well, this is it. This is the last segment. So I oh, this is okay. It. Well done. Did you have that planned out? Yeah, I, I, you know, I very well done. Then, like I, well, then a tip of the cap. That's good. <laughs> By the way, what was it? Two weeks ago, that Cam Smith lit the place up on Sunday, and just the day before on Saturday. I had said, yeah, I don't think Cam Smith's putting's going to hold up. He's a great putter, but he's not putting well this weekend. And there you are on Sunday, Open Championship. He can't miss from a hundred feet. It's that's the way golf is. Some you days you talking, Doug. You know, some days it's your day. Some days it's not your day. And it, you never know which one it's going to be. When I go play with these old guys that I play with out at Blackhawk. I never know whether I'm going to show up with my A game or my B game. I need to start posting some of these poor scores that I've had lately, though. it's dry. I hate to do it because I'm working on my game always, but I know my handicap should be a stroke or so, maybe two higher than it is right now the way I'm playing. Um, but I'm not playing full rounds, not even full nines. If there's ever a handicap scoring system for four holes of golf and fishing, for an hour and a half, then then I'll start posting those. Otherwise, I'm just going to have to play harder and play better when I finally do get a chance to go out with those guys. They're a great group, but they they're all either all completely retired or, or mostly so. They they got one foot out the door, and they play I don't know three or four times a week. I'm lucky to get in two full rounds in a month. I do a lot of range time though. I'm a range rat. I can't help myself. 713-212-5790. Email me, Doug Pike at iHeartMedia.com. Uh, Mojo gave you a thumbs up for your bump music. Don't encourage Sweet. him, please. Thank oh you, Mojo. Um, got that. I got that one taken care of. I'm running back down through these emails to make sure I don't miss anybody. Rick... Rick pops in. He's found some golf balls in a dried-up pond. Wow, wow. This is pretty interesting. Walker Cup, Lee Trevino, Wilson Ball, a Jack Nicklaus. Yeah, the Golden Bear. Gosh, I remember those golf balls from 100 years ago. Oh, my word. An Arnold Palmer ball with the little umbrella that is that company's trademark. Yeah, those are 40-, 50-year-old golf balls all day long. And not a one of them worth a nickel. Unfortunately, they're just they're just old golf balls. That's the downside to trying to be a golf collector. If you want some of the good stuff, you're going to have to pay for it. You're going to have to really pay. <laughs> Aaron weighed in when I was talking about blowing that duck call at the stoplights to counter the the blazing bass sounds coming out of some cars. He said try try blowing a mouth turkey call, a little diaphragm call. <laughs> In the grocery store. That's not bad for a mouth call, by the way. Every turkey hunter out there says, that's not bad. That's not bad. Who needs a diaphragm call when you can do that? And it doesn't need to be loud either. It just. But why do we have to do it at the grocery store? Just to get people's attention and make them look around, try and figure out where the sound's coming coming from. Have you seen the videos of people who will be in a big box store somewhere and just make kind of a a chimpanzee call and then other people do it back? 
No, I oh my not, gosh, actually. yeah, they'll just they'll sound off in the middle of the store, and then you hear it coming from all different directions. Were you talking to me? Oh no, he's talking to somebody else now. He's blown me off. Seven one three two one two five seven nine. Email me Doug Pike at iHeartMedia.com. Delete delete that backspin thing really got my attention i didn't know what it was well let me just move over here and do this james what's up man oh james a golf doing? ball guy i know you how you doing man hey good morning uh you're talking about those golf balls you know named after the golfers <clears throat> i've actually used to a long time ago since i've been in business 32 years for myself yeah five years working for someone before that and uh i i Sam Sneed. I find every now and then, not very often, a Sam Sneed. Yeah. And I, I think I, I think it was Sam Sneed, uh, a set of clubs I was given by uh, Glen Eagle. No, 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 no. Grapevine Golf Course. Uh, they allowed me, they had golf course, you know, golf club they found. Right. Somehow, there was a whole set of Sam Sneed. The guy just gave them to me, you know, because they, they just kept them. And then they donate them or throw them away after so many years. Wow, but, man. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, in golf, you know, I mean, I've, I've seen so many different things. It's oh, I'm like, sure. I mean, logos. 50% of the golf balls have a logo on it. A lot of people are like, that's cool. It's Exxon. And Exxon <laughs> shell oil. I mean, I see those things like all the time, you know. Wow. It's what's unique when you get uh, Muammar Gaddafi on the golf ball, which I have. Uh, and uh, that's way before he died. Uh, I had uh, Saddam Hussein on the golf ball. President Bush versus Gore. Uh, I've got all these golf balls I collect. That's uh, interesting, no. man. Yeah, I, I bet you've got all kinds of wild stuff in your collection, huh? I used to. Uh, I uh, I really don't. You know, I'm trying to collect all the emojis now. Oh, cool, okay. You know? Oh, wow. And, uh yeah, emojis. I mean, there's there's all kinds. But yeah, I uh, have 14 more years to go, and then I've stopped working. And uh, so, you know, I'm sure I'm going to find a bunch more newer ones. But I just wanted to say hi. Good morning. All right. And, uh, and it's all hot, right. and it's slowing golf down. Thanks, Bye-bye. James. Yeah, be careful in that water, man. Holy cow, the music's playing. That means I got to go. It's at the end of the song. That's all right. We had a great time. I'm glad all of you listened. I really do appreciate it. Tell your friends about the show. Bring them along. Bring them along for the ride. We'll do it again next week. I'll be back on 50 Plus Tuesday live at noon on KPRC, then back right here in this saddle at 7 o'clock on Saturday. That's it for now. Adios. Stay safe, by the way. Always, please do that for me. Shooting, fishing, boating, whatever you're doing, stay safe. We'll see you then. Adios. Adios.